what's going on, NBC fam? I'm so excited for you to be joining us today. We have such a very awesome and relevant topic that we're going to be bringing to you guys today. But before we get any, into any of that, we've got to take it slow. I need you guys to start by sharing the broadcast, okay? If you don't know how to do that, on the very bottom left-hand corner of your stream, there's going to be something that says share. And you, can hit, you have the option to just hit it and share it or hit that button and write a post about it. Uh, super, super simple, super easy. What's up, Reagan? What's up, Antonio? Hey, everybody. How are you guys doing today? We got Acre. If you guys will, go ahead and share the broadcast. Absolutely. Share the broadcast. Uh, tag some people in the comments. Um, you can either post it directly to your wall uh, and or you can send it to people's direct message boxes, and that way they'll be able to have instant access to it. They'll get a PM, it'll go ding, and they won't be able to help but to see the broadcast. So I encourage you guys to go ahead and share the broadcast. And if you're here, say what's up. Hope your day has been fantabulistic. Is that even a word, John, in this country? You know, with all the rules that the government's setting now, I feel like I can set a few of my own. <laughs> all right, guys. So, I tried to talk John into letting me shave his head, but he, wouldn't, he still won't let me. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to get that opportunity. But I tell you what. One of these days, I'm going to mess around, and these youth kids are going to hit my goal, and I'm going to get up here with a shaved head. And it's not going to look pretty. Send it out to a lot of people. Thank you so much, Miss Sarah. Uh, Miss Sarah, you were actually on the wrong broadcast. She <laughs> but either way, thank you so much. I'm trying to get back to the broadcast because I clicked on your comment. What is up, you guys? Hope you guys are doing great. I'm going to give it another minute before we get going. Share the broadcast. You guys uh, are fishing. I have not figured out how to tag people yet. Do you know how to do that? Yeah, you just write their name, and it'll give you the opportunity to tap like this. Look. It won't let me do that. See, look. Because it goes away too fast before I can click it. There we go. All right, there we go. Milton's listening to We're Currently Fishing. That's amazing. That actually really makes me want to go fishing now. Look at this. Watch. Watch. Ready? I'll try to tag my mom in this. And it just pops down like that. Oh, I don't know why, man. Man, that is nuts. Hey, if you're part of our church fam or whatever, uh, even if you're not, that's okay. Tag somebody in it. Tag some people. Help us get the message across. Tonight, we're going to be talking about something super relevant. Mm. Helpful in a lot of people's lives, and so you don't want to miss it. You want to share this. I promise it's going to help somebody out if you tune in, uh, especially if you're struggling with your kids at home and you feel like you're about to rip your hair out. We want to give you guys some good insight, and so we're going to give you a couple more minutes to share the broadcast before Absolutely. we get going. Hey, Carissa. Hey, everybody. Hi, that's sweetheart. just now. <laughs> you tagged my mom. You were able to do it. See, that's yeah, awesome. I tagged that. I tagged her and your mom. Yeah, well, see, sometimes it does this. Sometimes I have to do this. Let's see, I'm going to tag it. See, see how it disappears? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I have to do this. And it, like, gives you this tiny window. Huh, okay. I mean, no doubt it shouldn't be that difficult to be to tag somebody in a live video, but 
For such a time as this, I guess. I'm just going to start sending this to people. How about that? Yeah. Hey, guys, if you would, uh, we we already do have a a predetermined topic that we're going to be talking about. But if you guys decide that you have any questions that you want to ask us, um, we would love to answer your questions as they come in. Absolutely. Give you all a couple more seconds before we get going. Oh, yeah. John, what is transubstantiation? You answered it pretty well the other (laughs) night. I didn't think you were listening to me, but you were. Was impressed. Well, does it, it, can somebody out there in the audience, can y'all record that? Because I'm going to audio record that, and I'm going to put that as my ringtone. So every time he calls oh, me. Oh, whatever. It I says, you, I was impressed. Talk. I was impressed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, if you're jumping on from our church, hey, What's sweetheart. up, Jordan? How you doing, man? Balling is a habit. Jordan just bought a truck just like mine. All right. We, who else do we have on here? <laughs> That's funny, man. I'm trying Let's to see. Ta- I'm trying to tag people. Man, that window they give you is like horrible. Oh, oh, here we go. It's just gonna start sending it to people in their messages. There you go. All right, y'all. Give everybody a second. Make sure you share the broadcast if you would. If there you jump on for us. Hey, mom. Even if you feel like you can't stay on the whole time, help us out. Uh, hit the share button. If you do that, it'll automatically go to everybody that's in your feed and help us tremendously. So get the word of God out to more people. Absolutely. Get you, maybe you're making dinner, you're at home, get you a cup of coffee, a bottle of water, whatever, uh, and join us. It's going to be good tonight. Man, I'm super excited. By the way, if you guys don't know, they sell this color-coded notebook paper at Walmart, and it's actually cheaper than normal notebook paper, and it it it, it makes my heart happy to be able to write on pink notebook paper. <laughs> Everybody I see, too, my wife walked into my office today and saw your notebook, and they were she was like, I didn't even know they sold paper like that. <laughs> I, where do they even find pink trees? I was I, like, I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> if they do, you know Tanner uh, has it. That's right, man. He'd hey, be the one to have it. Yep. If you look right here, I've got yellow, I've got blue, we've got uh, yellow, blue, pink, and orange. I'm telling you, man, I'm a super vibrant person. Right. Hey, heads up, too. So if you guys are tuning on and you ask us a question, just so you know, there's like a good, I don't know what, 45-second, 30-second lag? No, uh... Yeah, when we're testing yeah, the it's, stream. It's about, it's about 20, So what you're seconds. seeing right now currently is, is already like in the past. We're actually in the future from what you're watching right now. Just a little bit. We're, we're a little bit ahead of that. And so we will answer your question. We may be moving on. But if you have any questions, we love when you guys interact with us. It makes this so much more fun. And I feel like it helps people. Because yeah. I guarantee you there's probably Absolutely. 15 other people that are thinking the same thing that you're thinking. And they're just too afraid to say it. And you can be like the voice for the people and be ask the question that everybody's right. wondering. And it'll help a lot of people. So feel free to send us in the comments a question that you have as we go through some stuff tonight. It's going to be awesome. If you're just tuning Absolutely. on, help us out. Yeah, we are in the future. And I just want to let you know, in the future, the Cowboys still haven't won a Super Bowl. And John is still seven feet tall. So nothing has changed much. Uh, we're still living <laughs> in the same realities. What is oh, up, man. Reagan, Dakota? Your mom loves pink paper. 
Yeah, she does. Awesome. I don't know why. Like I, all throughout the throughout the duration of my whole life, I love the color pink. I don't know why. Uh, I I don't I don't think it's a feminine thing. I just think that it's a. I think I just have good taste. Tag a couple more people in this, and we'll get going. Y'all stay with us. Don't tune off. I know you got the temptation. I'm telling you right now. You've probably Don't been scrolling, scrolling through videos all day long, wasting tons of time. This Dakota. is going to be well worth your time. I promise you that. So don't don't jump off just yet. Hey, Dakota. Stick with us. What do you call 32 rich men sitting around the TV watching the Super Bowl? The Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> he said don't talk about the Cowboys. Hey, man, uh, in all honesty, I really love the Cowboys. I'm just one of those guys that love to stir up the pot because I know my team is it, they're they're not they're not great. But at least I'm not a Redskins fan. That could be tr that could prove truly detrimental to someone down here in the South. I know a few crazy people that are Redskins fans, and their their name rhymes with Barissa Qualis. Are, wait, are you a Redskins fan too? Absolutely not. Oh my goodness, I thought you were about to say absolutely. I was about to say, well, that concludes today's live video. I'm too competitive. <laughs> you know, I didn't grow up like watching football a whole lot. And so when I got married to Carissa, I never had like a team, you know, because another thing is I'm from New Mexico. New Mexico doesn't have a professional football team. The Louisiana Mud Dogs. <laughs> that would not, well, for one, that's not a thing, <laughs> too. That's not New Mexico. So I didn't have a team. And so, uh, you know, I started telling her, I think I'm going to watch football, so I need to pick a team. We're close to Houston. Maybe I'll be a, uh, a Houston fan. And she was like, you know, asked me, well, maybe you should just like the Redskins. And I was like, if I'm going <laughs> to, if I have a choice, I wasn't born into this, there's no way I'm going to pick, like, the worst team in the NFL. Yeah. No way. Is my mic going in and out? It is. How weird. I might have to grab another mic, possibly. Let's see. But hey, Acre, will you grab me the PG? There's another mic. Uh, it, I might need just it just in Carissa's case. Mic. Yeah, just in case. We'll have it on standby. Okay. All right, y'all. We got 12. We got 14. Let's get going. So tonight's topic, if you would, share this broadcast. We're going to be going over. If you want to write any notes down, it'll be cool. I think this will help a lot of people out. Hallelujah. Uh, the, the title for tonight is going to be Setting a Standard in Your Home slash raising your kids setting a standard in your home slash raising your kids right. you can write that down i'll give you a second we'll talk about that go texans hey what's up alex man been missing you dude hope life's treating you well i'd love to hear y'all's feedback you know we're trying to figure all this out as well what do you guys think put it in the comments when is the best time of day slash best day of week to go live on facebook when be? are most people? When are people most available? Right. This thing is totally going in and out. All right, you can go ahead. You can go ahead and grab Carissa's mic. Yeah. What What is the best day? Uh, I know that last last week we did it last week Monday at seven and it went really well. Um, but if there's an even more preferred time, you know, for you guys, just go ahead and drop it in the comments. Uh, yeah. Check, check. There we go. Awesome. I might need to turn it down a little bit. When do we turn in tickets? Antonio, I texted you today and told you to turn in your tickets about three check, hours ago. Check, check. All right, put a thumbs up in the comments if you guys can hear me all right. Thumbs up. Can thumbs you guys up. hear me? I got to wait for that nine-second drag real fast. Okay, Garrett, reacted to your message. 
Y'all keep jumping on, sharing this, send it in Messenger, help people get the Word Absolutely. of God tonight. Help us out a little bit. We've got a super relevant topic for you guys super tonight. Super relevant. Setting a standard in your home slash raising your children. So this was a topic that came in, as we told you guys, uh, we're, we're totally open. If you guys want to hear about something or there's something going on that you think, man, this is something I've, I've had a lot of questions about and I think a lot of people would benefit from hearing from, send it in to us. I know that uh, one person in our comments before wanted to know a little bit about the end times and the signs of the second coming. And so the reason I almost, we almost talked about that tonight, but I'm actually doing a series on that Sunday mornings. And so you can go back on the Facebook that you're watching this through on our page and see my message, our service from yesterday morning. And we started going through Matthew 24, looking at the signs of the second coming. But don't do that yet. You can watch that after this video. You're not going to want to miss this. Right. Uh, but one of the requests that we had was today, somebody from our church actually saying, you know, I like stuff that, that helps me. I feel like our, our kids are at home right now. Our whole family's at home. It's a really weird time. You know, and so it would be good to talk about something about kids or family. And I thought, you know, that's really good. And so tonight we're going to be talking about setting a standard in your home slash raising your kids. Right. Raising your kids. Sorry, my mom had she was at work. That's OK, buddy. We love you. We love you. Cool. So something cool is happening right now. And I know the circumstance obviously isn't great, but a lot of people are pretty much having to like homeschool their kids now. Yep. We just found out that the kids aren't going back. And so if you're watching this and you have kids, you might, you, you, you're probably going through something that you've never went through your entire life, if, especially if your kids were in, in uh, public school where they're at home, you're the teacher, you're the one in charge of them, and your kids are, are home and they're going to be at home. Most, most kids in the, in the entire United States of America, right? right? Is there any countries that are still in school that you've heard? Man, I, it's, it's, I don't really you know, do much research outside of the U.S., but I, as far as I know, I don't think that anybody is carrying on with business as usual. Yeah, I think that pretty much everybody is out. And so you have this really unique thing happening right now, uh, and again, I know the circumstance isn't great, but you have kind of the whole family unit at home for the first time, probably in some people's entire lives. Right. You know, you have moms and dads that some of their jobs have shut down or, or maybe they haven't lost their job, but their job is making them work from home or be at home right now. And so you have kids and parents at home under one roof. Uh, and that's a pretty, that's a pretty crazy dynamic. That, that a lot of people have never even experienced. And so you're going through different challenges. You're probably trying to find a new norm. And so that's what we want to talk to you guys about to, tonight. Specifically, if you're a parent, this will help you so much because I'm, we're going to give you some biblical principles and some insight. Uh, one, I have a child, and so I can give you some practical insight that I've experienced. And two, we were just teenagers not that long ago. Right. Uh, Ten years ago, I was 15 years old. And so I can give you, we can help give you some perspective, I think, bridging in the gap between maybe your generation and, and your kids' generation. We're kind of right in the middle of that. And so I think that it's going to help you guys a lot. Mm. Share the broadcast. This would be super cool. Uh so something that we want to look at that I feel like a lot of pastors and preachers have talked about is that, you know, I've heard a lot of preachers say that they think that this thing came from God. 
that they think that this thing was given by God because it's meant to help restore the family and restore priests back to their homes. Wrong. I don't believe that uh, at all. I don't think God killed a bunch of people and a virus came and, and, and got a bunch of people sick and a bunch of people died so that we could, you know, things could be restored back in the homes. Uh, I think that that is, though, a benefit, that God will actually take something that the devil meant for bad and he'll turn it into good. This is Genesis fifty twenty. This is a principle in Scripture. That makes me think of the, you take what the, <laughs> and you turn it for yeah. good. Genesis fifty no, twenty. No, wait, we need, to, we need to do acapella real quick, man. I'm just <laughs> playing. Go ahead. Genesis fifty twenty says, but as for you, you meant, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And in order to bring it about, it is this day to save many people alive. So to give you some context, you know, this was Joseph, and he's in Egypt. And if you've read the story of Joseph, his brother sold him into slavery. He went from being a slave to being in prison. He went from being in prison to be brought, in, brought into Pharaoh's house and then ruling all of Egypt. He went through this progression in life where a lot of bad things happened to him. And it all began when his brothers got jealous of him and sold him into slavery. And so his brothers are standing before him now. This famine hit the earth. They had to come to Egypt to get food. And they're standing before Joseph, and they're just kind of like scared. They think, oh, crap, you know, this is Joseph. Right. We pretty much tried to kill this guy. And Joseph looks at him and says, what you meant for evil against me, God meant it for good. God used it for good. And it's brought us to this day to save the lives of many people. And so, again, it's this principle that, that even though God's not the one doing this, God wasn't the one that was throwing Joseph in a pit, but God used tactics of the enemy, flipped it around, and used those things for good. Used those things to, to put Joseph right where he needed to be in life. And, and so, again, I even look at this virus. I don't think God brought this virus on the United States. This isn't some type of, of right. judgment. And I'll tell you why for a couple of reasons. For one, in the Bible, God does not judge the righteous. Whenever you look at, think of Noah and the flood. Righteous, Noah, it says, the Bible says Noah and his family were the only ones that were righteous. And so God was willing, even if it was only five of them, eight of them, however many of them there, that there was, he was willing to make a way to save those eight people, even if everybody else had to die. Right. Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham interceded, Lot, uh, uh, and Abraham, because he interceded, God rescued Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah when it was destroyed. God does not destroy his righteous. Right. And so anytime we see things like this happening, you can't say, oh, well, God's judging people. Well, judgment doesn't fall on the people of God in the scripture uh, where we're subject to that. But you know, Satan does bring sickness, and Satan does bring these things, and I think that God can absolutely take something that was meant for evil, according to Scripture, and flip it around, uh, and it'll be to our benefit. Right. I know that it says, the Scripture also says that God will cause all things to work out for good, for the good of those who he loves and are called according to his purposes. Right. And so there's several things, again, that are bad that are happening right now, but I think that there's several good things also kind of taking place in the homes. For instance, the family getting to be back together again. Fathers being with their children. Mothers and husbands being with their wives. Wives being with their husbands. Children getting to experience time with their parents. That's amazing. And so I think that in a lot of ways, we can use several things that have happened in this whole thing 
and make it a reset so that when this thing passes, there's a couple things, Tanner, that I think don't need to go back to normal. Right. I think I that we need to make our new normal some of these things. Yeah, I think there's a there's a ton of things that don't need to go back to normal. You know, I think that one of those things is, you know, the how serious we take church uh, and how serious we take the body of Christ. You know, we it, it, it becomes something that we only do, you know, the average Christian goes to church maybe two Sundays a month. And that's something that doesn't need to go back to normal. When I bet, you know, my hope and my prayer is that whenever they officially lift this thing and the government says that it's okay and everybody, you know, feels like it's safe to come out, my hope and my prayers is that we can't keep those doors closed because we got so many people go. that are wanting to come in. Sorry about that. I got this really bad habit. He has stage fright. I do not have stage fright. <laughs> Just kidding. I have a lot of things, but stage fright is not one of them. Praise God. <laughs> the wrath of God comes upon children of disobedience. Very few have seen that. That's from uh, Dakota. Awesome. Yeah, if you guys have scripture, you have questions, let's comment on them. We're just kind of setting hey, this Mitzi. thing up. If you're joining, you're joining in at the right time. We haven't got into right. the meat of this. Hey, Rachel, Rhett, everybody else that's joining, thank you guys thank so much you guys for joining. Thank you for joining. Help us share this broadcast. Send it in Messenger. Tag. If you're part of our NBC Church family, tag some people. Let's Woo-hoo. get over 50 tonight. We're at 20. Let's get 50 people tonight. Help us spread the word of God. 50 people and John will shave his head. That's not true. 50 people <laughs> and you can help partner with God in spreading his word on the earth. Easy to do. All you got to do is hit the share button and all of your friends now have access and potential to hear the word of God tonight. Right. This is going to help us. Again, if you're just tuning on, this is setting a standard in your home and raising your children. And so we want to look at a couple things. That, that's going to drive me nuts. It's either what? yours or mine. I heard it echoing back we're going to look at a couple things of how important it is to set a standard how to raise your children in a godly way how to have certain things in your life that that i think you can use this time to hit the refresh button on you know and i want to encourage you obviously what's going on it's affecting a lot of people it's not great but don't waste this time don't just sit on your butt and, and, you know, let your kids stay in their room playing Xbox. This is a great time to use this as a refresh and saying there's several things that, that need to change in my household. There's several things that need to change in, in my relationship with my children. There's several things that need to change in my relationship with my husband, with my wife. And you can actually use this time to build, uh, rebuild and reset those things in your life. So that when this passes, you don't have to go back to how things were. That we can take a situation that was bad and and good can come from it. I promise you that. And so tonight we're going to look at the importance of you as parents setting a standard in your house and, and keys that I think are important in raising children from small all the way up until teenagers. Uh, so to do that, I'm going to read a couple statistics to you real quick. This is one that, that we both read recently that's crazy. This is astonishing. 80% of kids from the age of 18 to 22 leave the church. Mm. Out of our kids that are growing up in youth, they're going through the church from the time they're little, 80% of all the kids that are in church, that are in youth group, leave when they turn eight, between the ages of 18 and 22. So what's happening? Kids are growing up, and they are not continuing to walk in their faith. Kids are growing up in the church, and something is happening happening where they're disconnected, and they're not leaving childhood and stepping into adulthood still following the Lord. So here's the question. Why is that happening? What's going on? 
And, and we're going to trace some of this stuff back. Another thing that you guys have seen is the stats on mental illness and depression is rising every single year. Especially in this COVID-19, they're saying they're getting more calls for suicide uh, than we have in, in a long, long time. You're getting hundreds of thousands of calls a day. Hundreds of thousands of calls a day. Absolutely. Sorry, you pretty much have to swallow this microphone for it to pick up any sound. Yep, you have to <laughs> swallow it. So, uh, you know, moral decline. I want you to look in our country. Look at sexual immorality. Look at the pornography industry. Look at the stuff that's on our media, on our movies, on the music we're listening to. If you looked at media, mainstream media, 50 years ago compared to now, we'll see that something has shifted. Things that, that people thought there's no way that that's accept acceptable in public is now openly acceptable. Talking about certain things, dressing certain ways. And again, I, I don't want you to turn on here and think, well, these guys are just being super legalistic. But I'm telling you, there has been a negative shift in our culture where we're seeing morality just go down the drain. We've been aborting millions and millions of children every single year. I mean, cr things that were just unfathomable a few uh, 10, 20 years ago, 30 years ago are happening. Look at, look at the left wing the ideology that this left side that is just so radical and crazy. There's so many things that I think that are happening in our culture. Kids are leaving the church. They're going into the world. We're seeing a major decline in a, a people turning away from God. Our culture turning away from God. Our schools turning away from God. Us rejecting God. We're, our kids can't pray at school anymore. There's other states and other countries that have been trying to even force churches to to marry you know legally marry people that are gay and stuff like that we've just seen these shifts that you wouldn't have even thought about years back but we've seen those things take place so here's the question that we have for you what we're going to talk to you about tonight where does all of this start every single issue that we just listed so 80 let's look at this statistic that that's a finite number 80 percent of kids from 18 to 22 are leaving the church. Where is all of this starting? Is the church failing? You know, is your youth pastor failing? Was it because your youth pastor didn't preach good enough sermons? Was it because your pastor, he didn't do something just right? I mean, I'm not saying that doesn't have uh, a little bit of element that we're going to talk about that doesn't come into play at all, but I'm telling you, every single one of these things starts at the home. Right. If the home was right, People wouldn't be, kids wouldn't be leaving the church when they turn 18. If the home was right, people wouldn't be committing suicide. We wouldn't see this rise in, in mental illness and all these issues that we're having if the home is set up right. right. And so we're going to talk to you all tonight about setting a standard in your home and how to, how to raise your kids, some things that will help you raise your kids. Uh, again, if you're tuning on, help us share this. There's lots of mothers and fathers and people out there that this will help benefit tonight. Share this with them. We're, this is going to be really good. If you want to take notes, I want you all to write this in the comments for me. Write number one, set a standard in your home. Real simple. Set a standard in your home. I want you to write that in the comments for me. Set a standard in your home. I'm going to read to you. Joshua 24, 14 through 15. You know, this is a thing that's so simple, 
But I feel like is a big part of the problem is that so many Christians, so many men and women that are raising families fail to do this. The simple thing, set a standard in your home that's non-negotiable. Setting some things in your home that, that, that just by principle alone, you say that this is what we are going to do and this is what we're not going to do with Absolutely. no exceptions. It's so easy and it's so simple. But we're going to talk about this a little bit, but the problem that a lot of Christians have is that, that we just kind of ride the fence. A lot of problem that men and women have is that they ride the fence. They never set that standard. They let life get in the way. They let this circumstance, that circumstance get in the way, and they just... They're like a reed tossed by the wind and the waves and this thing that just blows back and forth like a reed blown in the wind. And then they wonder why their kids are so unstable in their faith when they enter into adulthood. It starts with this very simple thing. If you're a parent, I want to challenge you tonight to listen to what we're saying. Set a standard in your home. Joshua 24, 14 through 15. It says this. It says, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. Can you, I just want you to see that. Serve God alone. If you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors that they serve beyond the Euphrates, or would it be the gods of the Amorites whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Amen. There's got to be a decision that you, if you're a father and you're listening to this, there's got to be a decision that you make as the head of your household. Look, this is, there's a couple things the scripture is telling us. You cannot serve God and the world. Actually, I'll read you this scripture, James 4.4. It says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. You can't do both. There's this lie that Satan has tried to teach people or feed people that you can ride this fence. That you can kind of live in the world and you can kind of go to church. You cannot do both of those things. You know, the, if you're a dad, I want you to hear me. There has got to be a line that you cross where you say, me and my house will serve the Lord. Like Joshua said, it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. It doesn't matter what your neighbor's doing. It doesn't matter what your coworkers are doing. You can't be influenced based off of what everybody else in the world around you is doing or what everybody else in the world around you thinks. There has to be a, a moment in your life where you say, okay, they can think this, they can think that, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. That's a standard that, that a lot of people don't set. And, and we're going to give you some very practical things. What does that look like to serve the Lord? How do you set that standard in a practical way? What are some things that you can do that are non-negotiable things? And I'm going to tell you, many parents never do this. And a lot of parents, maybe you, you went to church. You grew your, your, your children up in, a, in an atmosphere that you thought was a faith atmosphere. But a lot of parents live lukewarm lives. And then they wonder what happened to their children when they turn 18 years old. Right. Yeah, I know growing up, one of the biggest things for me, um, you know, when my aunt adopted me, it was like every, twice a week we were at church. That was the biggest thing that we did. Um, 
And also, every morning, my dad, my uncle drove us to school. We prayed every single morning. And every night before bed, we had to read our Bible for 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, and there were just things that my aunt and uncle said, if you stay in this house, these are things that you will do. And then on the flip side of that, there was also, if you stay in this house, these are things that you're not going to do. That's right. If you live in my house, you're not going to walk around with your pants sagging, looking all crazy. You're going you're gonna to go to school, and you're going to represent the Lord. Uh, and, a, and a big thing that I think is really important is, is your kids watch you. Um, I know that I, John, you know, John has a kid. I don't have a kid, um, but I've, I've got a, 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 maybe pull it down a little bit. I've got a, I've got a 12 year old that stays with me pretty often. Um, and has stayed with me for the better half of about two months. Um, and I've watched him. He mimics my every single move. Uh, and it's not because he, you know, he thinks that I, I don't know, maybe it is because he thinks that I cool, regardless of whatever it is, your kids look up to you and they're going to mimic whatever you do. It not, they're not going to do what you say. They're going to do what you do. And That's they're right. going to allow what you allow. Well, and the thing is, too, you think about this. You pro- maybe you think, well, I brought my kids to church with me. You know, we would go to church. We'd go on Easter's. We would go uh, <laughs> on Easter's. We Easter's. would go a couple times a month. But if you think about it, this is where a lot of parents kind of struggle, in my opinion, and what, where we're going wrong with this is that you never talk about God outside of Sunday morning. Mm. You know, your kids don't hear you talk about the Lord. They don't hear you, they don't see that evident in your life Monday Absolutely. through Saturday. They don't hear you talking about God at all. You know, you may go to church, but you go to church once every every, every couple of weeks and oh, you know, sometimes oh, I've worked really hard. This is my day off. I'm not going to church. And if you do go to church, you just show up and you sit in a chair. They never see parents taking the next step. And really diving all in and serving, serving right. the kingdom of God, trying to fill their place in the body of Christ. You know, this is a big one. This is a huge one. Is that so many parents compromise church for academics or sports. Mm. You know, I'm telling you right now. Okay, we'll go to church, but then whenever traveling season comes up, you know, little Johnny's got to play uh, tournaments on the weekend. And so we don't go to, we're not, we're going to skip out for a few months. We'll do those kind of things, and then when our kids turn 18 years old, they go off to college, and they come home first semester with a boyfriend and a nose, a ring in their nose, and we're saying, what in the world? I thought, you know, we were a Christian family. Right. Lukewarm Christianity, it doesn't work. There's got to be a defining moment in your life where you say, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. Oh, man. I, you know, you said, I'm going to steal your line. I don't Go know. Go for it. Uh, so, you know, growing up, I loved playing sports. My dad instilled the love of baseball in me from a very, very young age, and I played it all throughout my life. And I, t- I would always tell my dad, Dad, I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to be a professional baseball player. I'm going to be a professional baseball player. And so I devoted my entire life from the ages of like, I don't know, Mom, when was it? From the moment that I could hold a baseball bat until, you know, my sophomore year of high school, I devoted my entire life to playing baseball. And, you know, the funny thing is, is when I got to 11th grade, I just got tired of it. It's something that I loved my whole life, and I I just swore up and down, I was going to be a pro. I'm going to be a pro, and I'm going to do all this stuff. But when push comes to shove, I had no foundation. That's all that I knew. And when, you know, when baseball season was over, it was like my life was like, well, what do I do? And so I think I want to say this, and this is you've probably heard this before. You know, the the chances of your child 
making it to the, a professional baseball team or a professional sports team is less than 1%. Less yeah. than 1%. I think that's the actual statistic. But the chance that your child is going to stand before God and have to answer for everything that he did, the 80 years on, uh, of his life, is 100%. There's a 100% chance that your kid's going to stand in front of God. And I, you know, I think it's really important. And you should take that responsibility seriously as a parent. Like, the, the foundation of your children is in your hands. Those, your kids are like clay in your hands, and you're the potter. The 18 years that you have them, or however many years that you have them, it's important that you teach them priorities in life. Well, I'll tell you this, though, too. Kids nowadays, you know, in the 1950s, a family could bring their kids up in church their whole life, and then in right. the 1960s, that kid becomes an adult, and he just goes to church. And it's like, why? Well, it's tradition. We always went to church. On Sundays, we go to church, and then we eat a picnic afterwards. And, you know, why do you pay your tithes? Well, because my daddy paid my tithes. That's just what you do. <laughs> There's something different about this generation where that just doesn't work anymore. Right. Kids aren't, you know, we have a culture now where they're not interested in, in tradition. This generation is interested in what's real and what's not real. Right. Constantly seeking for what's real and what's not real. And just because you form traditions in your life, those traditions, I'm telling you, as a whole, they don't carry over. They, your kids need to have real encounters with God. And not only that, they need to see parents living, uh, having a real walk with God in their life. And so we're under the, the first point, set a standard in your home. We're going to give you a few things that will help you do that. If you want to write these down, write these down for number one. Under set a standard in your home. What are some of the standards, non-negotiable, that you can set? Me and my house are going to serve the Lord. This is the first one. We go to church. Right. Go to church. You need to set a standard in your house as a parent, as a father. If you're the man and you're watching this saying, at my house, we go to church on right. Sundays. Amen. On my house, we go to church. At my house, we go to church on Wednesdays. In my house, we go to prayer on Thursdays. You know, I think the best model for a family, and this is my, my honest opinion, is that we need to be at church every time the doors are open. That's right. The Bible says, let us not neglect meeting the gathering together, especially now that the end is near. You know, Jesus is coming back very soon, and I'm telling you, that's just something that you are going to have to make a standard and saying, we go to church and make it non-negotiable. You know, me and my wife, this is something we decided we were going to do. Our daughter's barely about to turn two, but we decided on Sundays we go to church. That's the day that we celebrate. That's the day we gather with the saints. It is non-negotiable that we are in church on Sunday morning. So this last summer we went to Hawaii, uh, and we got to go on a week-and-a-half vacation to Hawaii. Sunday morning rolled around, and again, it's this principle I didn't have to, well, I'm on vacation, you know, I'm not going to church, it's vacation, it's not something that we have to do, it's a standard that we set, us, we will serve the Lord, if nobody else wants to serve the Lord, we will serve the Lord, I think some of our other family with me, maybe they enjoyed it, I think they did, but I'm saying it's just funny, because they're like, John makes such this, this ridiculous, uh, push that we have to go to church because at the end of the day that's where me and my wife were where hey if nobody else is we will it doesn't matter if i'm in Timbuktu, the philippines or hawaii on sunday i'm going to find believers and i'm going to gather with them amen and when you start living like that 
you make all your other decisions bow to that decision. So if you make that standard that my house, you know, what you want to do is your business, but me and my house, we go to church. Amen. Well, then all of a sudden an opportunity rolls up. And somebody says, hey, you know, little Johnny's really good at basketball, and we'd like to put him on a basketball team. But the thing is, he's going to have to play games on Sunday mornings. You say, absolutely not. Why? Because I've set a boundary that me and my house, we serve the Lord, and we go to church on Sundays. You know, Wednesdays, I'll, I'll give you encouragement if you're parents. It is possible for your kids to play sports and still be involved in church. You can have a conversation with coaches and say, look, if my kid needs to spend a little bit more time on Monday or Tuesday after practice making up lost time, but on Wednesday, they'll still be here, but they're leaving in time to make sure that they're on church on Wednesdays and on Sundays. It is so important for you to make this a priority. Absolutely. But again, this is the problem, is that we always allow, we show our kids that it falls at the bottom of the priority list. We'll, we'll raise our children, teaching them every single week. Hey, if sports come in the way, church goes on the back burner. burner. If, they can, if we're on vacation, church goes on the back burner. If we're tired this week and we just, oh, we don't really feel like it, it goes on the back burner. Don't be surprised when your kid turns 18 years old and church is the lowest priority that they have because that's what's been modeled for them their right. entire lives. There's got to be a modeling as a parent, standards to set in your home. We go to church in this house. I, I remember when I grew up, my parents used to tell me, John, the only way friends can stay the night at our house on Saturday is if they go to church with us on Sunday. Right. I used to tell my friends that, and as a kid, I got so mad thinking, what? That's crazy. You know, they're not going to want to do that, but that's something. My parents said it. You don't have to believe what you're going to believe, but at our house, this is what we do. And on Sunday morning, we're going to be in church. Absolutely. We're not going to have some excuse of you trying to call your parents and come pick you up. And, and parents, you've got to make that decision saying, this is something I will not compromise on. Discipline. Discipline is, is a very godly thing. If you read the book of Proverbs, discipline goes hand in hand with wisdom. That the book of Proverbs literally says that this is God's way to teach us how to live uh, successful and disciplined lives. Proverbs 1.3. You know, and so I understand that you may be tired. I understand that you maybe had a long week. I understand that maybe you're thinking, well, it's Sunday morning and I would really just like to lay on my couch and chill out a little bit. But if you want to have... If you want to see your kids grow up and serve the Lord, you've got to set that standard right now, today, if you haven't already, that from now on, me and my house, we serve the Lord. No, If I'm tired, it doesn't matter. I'm going to push through it because this is something I won't compromise on. Absolutely. If so, Hey, all of a sudden an opportunity comes up with your job. You're making $70,000 a year. And your boss comes up and says, hey, I want to give you a promotion. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you $50,000 more a year, but you're going to have to work on Sundays. You're going to have to work three Sundays a, a, a month. You sit there and say, no, that's not something I have to think about. That's not something I have to go in my prayer closet and pray about for <laughs> right. a month. Because that compromises the decree that I've made. on sun This is the Lord's day, and on, on Sunday, me in this house, we will be with the other saints, and we will serve the Lord. And so that helps you filter so many other things if you set 
these standards. I promise you'll see fruit in your children's lives from it. Make it a priority, y'all. Stop letting, I, I hear this too. A 12-year-old doesn't know what's best for themselves. A 12-year-old doesn't know how to make the right decisions. Just because your kid doesn't want to go to church, make them. Make them go. Right. Stop making it seem like, well, you know, if they want to, then, then we'll bring them. No, you're the parent. Tell them this is what we're going to do. When you grow up and you're an adult and you're in your own house, you have a decision you have to make at that point. Right. But when you're in this house, it's not your decision to make. This is what you will do, and this is what you won't do. Parents have stopped being parents, and we've, tr we've started being friends. That is something that blows my mind. Right. You got anything you want to add with any of that? Yeah, I'm, I mean, a couple of things. You know, right before you actually, you and Carissa actually offered me, you know, to be the youth pastor here, I was actually offered a really, a really decent job that I was telling you about. But they said, you have to work on Sundays. <laughs> and I said, well, that's not going to work. Right. And, and you know, and literally that, that I, was it the day after or that same day? Either that same day or the day after, me honoring that covenant that I made with God that I wasn't going to turn down the Sunday morning service, John and Carissa set me down at Panda Express and said, hey, look, we want to hire you on as a youth pastor. And, and, and so you may think, well, I mean, that's just silly. But God honors when you prioritize him. That's right. There is absolutely no better way to show God that you're faithful to him than going to church and saying, hey, look, I understand that this is an awesome opportunity. And I understand that I could probably be making about $80,000 a year doing this. But I cannot compromise on the covenant that I made with God to be in this sanctuary at 1030 sharp every single Sunday morning. Matthew 6 says that. It says, seek first the kingdom of God above all else seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously and all these things will be added unto you right when you make it a priority and you say God I'm going to show my kids that God is the priority in this house I'm not going to take a job that would maybe seem like more money that would provide more whatever I think would be better I'm not going right. to do that I'm actually going to put the kingdom of God first I'm going to make sure that I honor God's word. In Hebrews, it says, do not forsake the gathering together, right. especially now that the end is near. That means everything that we do, we need to work around that. You don't work church into your schedule. You work your schedule around <laughs> the gathering Amen. of the saints. And when you make that determination, I promise you, I, I could get a hundred people to stand up here and testify about some form of Christianity that they lived for 20 years where they tried to just fit church into their schedule. And the moment that they said, this is a non-negotiable non anymore, I, this is where I'm going to be no matter what, I'm telling you, every single person will tell you how everything shifted in their life right. and changed. That's really good, man. That's really good. You can't, you can't model for your kids that God takes the back seat. That it, don't model for your kids, hey, I've worked all week. Now I'm really tired. I just want you all to shut up. Go in your room. Go outside and play. I'm going to vegetate on the couch Sunday morning. We're not going to go to church. Don't if you model that, don't be surprised by how kids are growing up. Don't be surprised how we have kids that, you know, that – Although that are that are pushing for socialism, that are pushing to vote people into office that just want handouts and they don't want to earn anything in life. Why? Because that that's just what's been instilled into them. Set some discipline in your life. I know we keep harking on this, but it's so important. Make it a non-negotiable thing. I promise you. I promise you. It'll change everything in your life when you do that. 
Amen. I'm going to read you 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 11, 1. This is what Paul told the Corinthians. He said, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. So let me help you understand what that means. Paul was talking to a bunch of Gentile people that knew nothing about following Jesus. They didn't know, they, they weren't Jewish, right? So they didn't grow up like we did in America. You probably grew up watching Veggie Tales. You grew up saying the Pledge of Allegiance and God we trust. You grew, up, you grew up in a culture that has Christianity woven through it. You know, you can go to an atheist and say, have you ever heard of Adam and Eve? Every, I prom- even if they've never Who? stepped foot <laughs> in the church before, they're going to say, yeah I've, heard, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. It's just woven in our society. Right? Well, the gospel went out into the, into the Roman Empire. These people didn't know about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These people didn't know about the God of the Bible. But these people all of a sudden came into this relationship, this covenant with God through Jesus Christ by putting their faith in them. And so now they're sitting there saying, look, we're babies. We don't know what to do. We don't know how we're supposed to believe. We don't know how we're supposed to talk. We don't know how we're supposed to live. And so Paul, he says, look... You'll learn. You'll learn the word of God. You'll learn how to walk these things out. But for right now, let me tell you, follow me as I follow Christ. Right. This is what every parent should be able to say to their children. If their parent is saying, Mom, Dad, I don't understand the Bible. I, I really don't know the ins and outs of this whole thing. You should be able to look at them and say, if you want to know how to follow Jesus, just do right. what I do. And if by doing what I do, you will be following Jesus. Right. You know, you touched on it. You said that. You know, everybody has heard of who God is. Everybody's heard a Sunday morning service, if not a thousand. But the Bible says that even the demons know that Jesus is Lord. Just knowing something and hearing about something doesn't mean that that's something you profess and that's something that holds fruit and produces fruit in your life. All that Satan needs you to do is just miss one Sunday. And then, right. you'll be, then you're able to logically go, well, I missed last Sunday, and that was the start of the sermon series, so I might as well just not attend church for the rest of the sermon series because I'll be behind. And that's the foothold that Satan needs. And we take it so, it, it's so nonchalant to us sometimes. We're like, oh, it's just one Sunday. It's just one Sunday. Well, if you're able to convince yourself that it's only going to be one Sunday, then it's going to turn into two Sundays. And then it's going to turn into three Sundays. And then before you know it, and if you, if you were anything like I was when I was lukewarm, you end up not going to church for six months and completely falling away from God in general. Well, even if it is one Sunday, it's one Sunday. Right. That Sunday belongs to God. That's one Sunday that shouldn't have been missed. If I walk up to you and I, and I punch <laughs> you in the face and I take a dollar from you, Right. Are you, is, that a big, is that still a big deal to you because it was just a dollar? Well, think of this, you know, because I hear excuses all the time. People will say, well, I was sick. I'm sick what of you missing book, church. What does the book of James say? It says, are any of you sick? If any of you are sick, you should bring the sick to the elders of the church. They will anoint them with oil, and their prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. Amen. I mean, I mean we think about things. I'm just telling y'all, I get sometimes, you know, in the lifespan, something comes up. But I'm saying that get out of the habit of just making excuses, especially if you have children. Right now, repent of that. Say, as for me and my house today, I'm going to use this time that I have my children to not just waste it, not just blow it away before they go back to school, life goes back. No, I'm going to set some guidelines in my house saying that we will serve the Lord in in this house. 
What was that? <laughs> you all right? I'm sorry. Let's move on to the next one. We go to church. The second thing. This is still under point number one. Set a standard in your home. The second standard that you need to set as an adult, this is going to be a big one. Read the Word of God. Amen. Read the Word of God. This one's going to be a lot shorter than the other one. Y'all, I want to tell you, read the Bible and let your kids see you reading the Bible. Amen. That'll do so much. Uh, This is, again, this is part of the problem. You know, we grow up making our kids feel like well they grew up in a christian atmosphere in a church why because you played caleb driving down the road but then you haven't picked up your bible and again you go to church maybe on sunday but all throughout the week your kids don't see you in the word of god i'm not trying to be harsh i'm just telling you read the word of god let there be stories of you when your kids become adults saying i remember my dad sitting down at the table every morning with a cup of coffee reading the word of god meditating on the word of god i promise you that will instill something inside of your kids but guys parents i don't know what has happened in our country in our generation we're so lazy we can't get off of these things for 10 minutes to sit down and put ourselves in god's word and then we wonder how things get to the point where they're at right now right we wonder where did all these people come from that believe such crazy things in the world it started years ago in the homes. It started by kids that are growing up in churches not seeing the faith walked out behind closed doors. And then, and then they become adults and they want nothing to do with it. Amen. Because it was disingenuous uh, about reading the word. Y'all, I see this problem all the time. We have youth kids that come and get saved. And... You know, they come and they get saved. They get on fire for Jesus. They're really doing so good. They're growing. They're becoming disciples of Christ. But then they go home and their parents don't follow Jesus. Their parents are lukewarm. That Their kids are actually growing at a level that's faster than the adults that are in their home. And then all of a sudden this conflict comes up where, where the kid is trying to live life and trying to move forward. And now all of a sudden the adult, the parent is telling the child, hey, trying to give them advice and now all of a sudden there's this conflict because the kids has this thing inside of their head where they're like look i'm in the word of god i'm trying to make my decisions based off the word of god you're sitting here telling me what to do and i've never seen you open the bible so now i automatically have this thing in my mind where i don't trust or believe what you're trying to tell me it's good does that give kids an excuse absolutely not but i'm telling you be model it for your children Super simple, man. It's like if you go to if you go to a store and you buy a table to put together, and you start taking the ta- the pieces to the table out, and you start trying to put that pieces of the table together without reading the instructions, you're gonna get lost. And and the Bible is the same way. Literally, every single answer to every problem you could ever have is within is within the the pages of this this leatherback Bible right here. This is your instruction manual. And I know that that sounds cheesy, but it's 100% true. You're trying to, you're trying to live a life without the instruction manual. And you've got every single thing that you could ever need right here. Right. Let your, and again, it's just so simple. Y'all let your kids see you reading the word of God. Monkey see monkey do, you know, you touch on what you read to me in my office about, you know, uh, behind closed doors. Didn't you write something about, disingenuous like people oh yeah you know uh you you i I said this i said uh you're talking about when i was talking about tradition 
Tradition, Maybe. Yeah, tradition will buy your kids just a few years of, of salvation, a few years of Christian living. But they, what, authenticity will buy them an eternity. Authent- I want you to think about that word, authenticity. Right. So I'm going to read that again. If you want to put this in the comments, tradition will buy your kids a few years, but authenticity will buy them an eternity. Right. Because what happens is, is if I have, let's say, John and Emberly, John tells Emberly, hey, you need to go read your Bible. Emberly has no ammo to go, well, Daddy, i never seen you read your Bible. Right. Why do I have to read my Bible if you're not reading your Bible? And, and what happens is we get caught in this vicious cycle of tradition, and then there's absolutely zero authenticity, which then takes out the anointing, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. Yep. And I think, but it's so important that your kids see you, ju- not just at church. I see this so often. I see parents go to church, and they're, they're worshiping, and they're crying, and they're on their knees, and, oh, God, I love you so much. I'm willing to do anything for you. But then they get home and behind closed doors. They're screaming at their wives. They're setting a horrible example for their kids. And can I tell you, if your kids are watching, whatever your kids watch you do, is what your kids are going to copy you, whatever you're doing later down the road. Authenticity is the key. You could write that. If you're still with us, write this in the comments. Say, authenticity is the key. Authenticity is the key. Authenticity is the key. Just like Tanner said, y'all, we don't need any more Christians. We don't need any more adults showing up on Dr. Phil in 10 years. How about that? Talking about how their dad was in the church and, you know, he would act one way on Sunday morning and then coming home and sexually abusing the children or beating the wife or acting that way. What's going to, like Tanner said, what's going to produce lasting results is authenticity. Whenever your kids see that you have a genuine, I honor God. I serve God. I don't just go to church. I am the church. We're a part of, I meditate on the word of God. The decisions that we make, the decisions that you see me make as a father in this life comes through the word of God. Whenever your kids can see that, the authenticity that you are the same person at church as you are at home. That you're, oh, amen, huh? praise the Lord. You're the same person at home that you are at church. That is going to be the thing that produces next generation disciples. Absolutely. Next gener- I'm going to tell you all this, too. I want you to hear me. And I heard somebody say this. God has no grandchildren. He only has children. Whew. That's good. <laughs> Grand, God don't have grandchildren. You what does it. that mean? Everybody has to be, just because you're saved, God, your child doesn't get saved just because you're saved. Right. But your relationship with God, you know, your kid doesn't get to go into heaven because you have a relationship with God. So you have a responsibility (laughs) to lay it out in front of them. You have a responsibility as a a parent in your home. And I'm going to tell you, God's going to hold us accountable for what we do with our children. That your goal is to make sure that your child becomes a child of God. That they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They have a real experience. Because I'm going to tell you, too, and we're going to get to some of these points in a second. You trying to, you need to recognize if your kid has had a real encounter with God or they're just still riding on, you know, the, the what's the term I'm looking for? The coattail of your faith. The coattail. Are they st- have they had a real encounter with God? Or, you, you know, don't let your kids be 18 years old 
And then you're like, well, I've drug them along this far. Hopefully, let's throw them out of the nest and hopefully they fly. No, you know, there needs to be something that you're like, as a parent, I have done everything that I possibly can can to model and to put them in place to have a real encounter, a real relationship where now what they have with Jesus goes outside of what I have with Jesus. They have something unique and special that's between them and God that that. That is going to be the thing that carries them into adulthood. Right. Let's, uh, you got anything you, else you want to say to that before we go on to the next point? Yeah. And so, so this is something, a practical thing that just came to my head. One time I was, uh, I was in need of a job pretty bad. Yeah, I was in need of a job. Ooh. Y'all see that? I'm good. Thank you, buddy. Y'all see that, Thank Dallas you, Cowboys? I was in need of a job pretty bad. And so uh, I had a buddy of mine that was at the church. I said, hey, could you help me get a job with this guy? And he said, yeah, I can put in a good word for you. And so this guy said, hey, there's this guy, Tanner. He's this awesome Christian dude. He's got his, he's got his head on straight, all this good stuff. And so the guy, the boss, was actually really good friends with the guy who was putting in a good word for me. So I got the job. Well, I showed up at the job, and I, I, I'm not going to lie to you, I was horrible at the job. And I, I really didn't put a whole lot of effort into getting good at the job, and so I got fired. And so basically what I'm saying is you cannot ride off the high of someone else's relationship with God. I hear people say this all the time, uh, you know, and I hear, uh, I heard Tobin say this the other day. I was like, who are you texting? He said so-and-so, and I said, well, are they, do they love God? And he was like, yeah, their dad's a pastor. I, That's not what I asked you. I said, do they love God? And so I think that so often what we do is, is we, we use it. One time I was, a, I was a youth pastor about 12 years ago, and, man, I got some people saved. And, but it doesn't matter what you did 12 years ago or what your parents do right now. It's 100% completely dependent on your personal tailor-made relationship with Jesus Christ. I help people all the time. Well, I'll start talking to them about, do you know Jesus? And I always hear, yeah, my dad, my grandpa was a pastor. I'm <laughs> yeah, like, that's great. So your grandpa knew Jesus. Do you know Jesus? My dad's a meat market It's butcher. completely different. I've never cut meat in my whole life. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. My, yeah. That's like someone asking <laughs> yeah. me, hey, you know, they're asking about oil field and rigs and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, my dad's worked in the oil field for 30. I don't know anything. <laughs> don't come asking me about any of that. That doesn't mean anything for me. That's really good. Let's look at the third point. Set a standard in your home. We said go to church, read the word of God. Here's the third thing, y'all. This is going to be awesome. If you're tuning on, listen to this. Pray with your kids and believe for miracles. You need to be praying with your kids frequently in your home. What I mean by pray with your kids and believe for miracles, y'all start making a practice right now. If you haven't, again, use this as a reset and say, me and my house, these are the things that we're going to set now. We go to church. We read the word of God. I read the word of God, and I'm going to pray with my kids, and I'm going to pray with my family. One of the most powerful things that I've started doing with my wife and my daughter, who's less than two years old, and I'm going to tell you, my daughter's less than two years old, and she's already learning how to take communion. She already knows how to pray. You know, I'm just saying it's possible. I'm telling you that so you can know it's possible. We'll, we'll, we'll gather at my house and Emberly will bow her head. And when she gets done, she throws her hands <laughs> up in the air and she says, amen. Hallelujah. She'll say, amen. Absolutely. Pray with your kids. Pray with your kids. Before they go to bed, start praying with your kids. Like Tanner, 
He's been reading to the youth Psalms 91. Start praying with your kids and something simple saying, Lord, thank you for your protection as we sleep tonight. Thank you for sending angels to guard us and protect us. We won't even hurt our foot on a stone. Thank you that we don't have to dread the disease that stalks in the night. Thank you that we don't dread the arrows that fly by the day. Thank you that no plague will come near our home. Just start thanking the, the Lord and praying over your children. Let them see that. Let them see a faith that goes past a facade that you put on in front of other people. Let it be authentic. Show them that church is not the only place that mm. this thing works, that this thing is not just meant for Sunday morning service. This is life. And I think that that's where people, that we, we raise our kids up and they have this mindset that there's church over here and then there's work in real life over here. Right. You know, Catholics, I'm not hating on anybody, but they have this mindset like, hey, Saturday night, sleep it up, drink it up, party it up, drug it up. But Sunday morning, you go to Mass, you're good. Why? Because it's like there's church. Oh, don't curse in the Lord's house. But you walk outside the doors and bleepity blop. You know what I mean? Oh, man, it, I, can't, I can't stand it that. It needs to be taken outside of this. And this is a standard you need to set. This is, these are keys to changing the statistics from 80% of kids leaving the church when they graduate to know us producing disciples in our children and in our grandchildren that our lineage goes on for years and years and years until Jesus comes back. Pray with your kids. And I, and I put this, I tagged, believe for miracles. Mm. Y'all, start stepping out in faith. When your kid comes to you with a headache, oh, you pop a bottle of ibuprofen, here you go. Are here, honey, we got, you know, we got Medicaid, children's Medicaid. Let's just go to the doctor. No, start believing God. Oh, you got a headache? Okay, let's do what the Bible says. Pull out your anointing oil. Get down and say, in Jesus' name, speak to that thing. Start praying with your kids. Start modeling what faith looks like to them. Amen. Where they don't think it's weird to do that. They don't think it's strange to believe God for things. Start praying with your kids and believing God for miracles. I think that's another, I've been another really big flaw. You know, I, I, I have not been to a lot of youth groups. And once again, I'm not hating. I haven't been to a lot of youth groups that, that really even teach or preach that miracles are a relevant thing. And you, a lot of people like to say this, well, miracles were just something that Jesus did back in the day to prove that he was the Messiah. Okay, John 14, 12, 14 says this. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. Listen to this. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that my Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And I think that that's so important that you understand that that is something that's accessible. Not only accessible, but it's guaranteed to you. It's a covenant Jesus made to you. It's personally catered for you, not just people in the Old Testament, not just people that traveled with Jesus. Jesus said, you will do even greater things than I did. And if Je look at the things that Jesus did. He healed lepers. He, he, he cast demons out of people. If Jesus could cast a demon out of somebody and told us that we would do even greater than he would, what do you think a headache is to, the, to God? Right. Amen. Absolutely. I mean, and, and it just, it gets to me because, you know, I was raised in a household, you know, the first half of my life that it wasn't horrible. You know, we still believed in God. But the second part of my life, I was completely mind blown at was what was made available to me. 
that Christianity wasn't just something that you just had to, well, you got to follow the lines, you got to color within the lines. No, when you abide, the Bible says, if you abide in him, he will abide in you. The son of God will literally fight on your behalf the demons that are trying to come against your life. Believe that when you lay your hands on your kids in Jesus name, there's not going to be a headache anymore and that headache be cured. And model it, I mean, the whole point, model it for your kids to see. Like, just take it outside of Sunday service and start modeling these things. Pray for your kids. Believe for miracles. Ask your kids what's going on at school. Whenever kids are bullying, you know, take it to the Word of God. If your kid's being bullied and say, okay, let's do this. Let's pray. Jesus said, pray for those that persecute you. Pray for your enemies. Love them. I mean, what if you sat down with your kid and was super involved in their life and said, let's seek the Lord together. Let's seek the Lord's word together. You're needing something right now. Are we in need as a family? Hey, son, you're 12 years old. You're in school. Are you in need right now? Let's pray. Let's right. ask the Lord. He said, ask us for anything, and like Tanner just read, using my name and believe you have received it and you shall have it. Begin to model that faith. We actually have a question from Iris. She says, what if they have the attitude of, yeah, it's just my mom and dad praying? As a parent, it's frustrating because they are not listening, but I know they are. Iris, you hit the nail on the head. Look, you know, and this is where parents go wrong. They want to be accepted by their kids. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not saying Iris does this, but I see parents do this, like parents throwing parties for their kids to drink and invite friends over. It is not your job for your kid to think you're cool. Mm. It is not your job that your kids think that you're the coolest parent, that you win their right. acceptance, that their friends think you're cool. I could care less if my, friend, if my kids think, well, my, you know, they like me or not. They're going to respect me. And I'm telling you what, a 14-year-old doesn't know what's best for them. But by doing that, even if they act, oh, it's just my mom, it's just my dad. I'm telling you that will produce fruit that carries on into adulthood, that God, every seed that you're planting, it's going to boom, bloom, and they're going to look back, and they're going to tell stories of how when they were a stupid kid, and they thought it was so, oh, my parents, God's going to do such a work in their life. They're going to look back and tell the testimony Amen. of how thankful they were that their parents followed the word of God, honored the word of God, walked out their faith, prayed with them, believed with them. And so I just want to encourage you with this, Iris, don't be discouraged if your kids act like that. You know what you're doing. You are setting the stage for something bigger. You're setting the stage. You are, you are literally modeling for your kids how to be a father, how to be a mother. And so they may act weird. They're kids. Kids act weird about stuff all the time. But <laughs> at the end of the day, who cares? You That's know? good. Uh, they're kids. They don't know what's best for themselves. Lisa said, parents. Lisa said, I once heard James Dobson say, if at some point your child doesn't say they hate you, you're not parenting correctly. Right. <laughs> so true. And, that, and I remember, you know, uh, rest in peace to my aunt. But, man, there, there were times where I would come home and I would be so frustrated because I would call them. Uh, you know, growing up, I wasn't allowed to have a phone. Uh, and now looking back, I, I remember being so upset at them, like, why can't I just have a phone? Why can't I do this? And it was because my she had my best interest at heart. She knew for a fact that the type of person that I was, the moment that I got a phone, the access that I was allowing, that she was allowing to me was was going to be, I was going to get off into the dark wormhole of the web, and then pornography was going to come, and then I was going to get start sending pictures. To, and I, I know that I'm getting personal tonight, but I, I, beyond that stuff, 
one thing that I want to let you know is that God is still in the miracle doing business. And I think that that's so imp- I don't think people realize that. I really don't think that, God, that people understand that God still does miracles. And not only does he do miracles, but it's up to you to receive those miracles. When I was 11 or 12 years old, I don't know, my mom could probably answer that question. I had Tourette so bad. I had this disease called Tourette so bad that I literally would pull my hair out. And had a big bald spot in the back of my head. I would twitch a bunch. My arms would jump. I would do weird stuff with my face. And I remember going to a youth camp one year. And a pastor saying, hey, can I pray for you? And I said, yeah, you can pray for me. And he said, what do you have? I said, I've got Tourette's. And he said, do you want to live with that for the rest of your life? I said, I don't want to live with it for another minute. And he said, well, this is all you got to do. You got to believe that Jesus wants to do it and will do it and receive it. And that night I received healing and not once since have I struggled with that. I'll give you another testimony. And this is another one. Right around the time that my mom was really towards the end of her life, my aunt was towards the end of her life, I had a really bad stomach ulcer. I remember telling John, dude, like my stomach hurts bad and I don't know what it is. So I, I went to my grandma, who is probably one of the wisest medical people that I've ever met in my life. She said, yeah, you've got a stomach ulcer. She said, here's some medicine. And so I remember getting in my truck and looking at that medicine. I was about to take that medicine, and I said, no, I'm not doing this. And so I opened the word up. It was actually closer to the front of your head. Okay, I'm sorry. You're right. It was right here. I remember exactly where it was. I remember going to my truck and saying, I'm not going to depend on this medicine to heal me. I've got a covenant with God. God says that if you, if you worship me, I will, I, I will take sickness from among you. And so I just began to claim that healing in Jesus' name. I didn't have to have an evangelist lay hands on me. I didn't have to go to a ri- revival service. I claimed my healing right there in that truck and got it almost instantly. Haven't struggled with it since. Amen. And that, man, that's good that you brought that up because that actually brings me to this thought. You know, it should be your goal that your kids learn how to receive things by faith through the word of God. That they don't live with this mindset, y'all. Again, and it's okay. It's laying on of hands is great. There's people that need a miracle. You come to a revival meeting. You're like, man, I'm sick. Uh, I need the, the minister. I need the man of God to lay hands on me so I can be healed. That's great. But can I tell you that God wants to take it a step further? That it's actually possible for you to receive healing with no one, as Tanner said, laying hands on you. Because you know what the Word of God says, and you act in, on, by faith according to the Word of God and receive the healing that Jesus paid for with his body, the covenant promise. Right. And so that should be your goal is that your kid doesn't have this dependency. Oh, man, I just need somebody else to feed me. I just need, they, they go into this Christianity where they just can't even make it through without somebody just spoon feeding them for the rest of their life. It should be your job as a parent to disciple them where they are not lo- no longer on milk. They understand the fundamentals of the Bible, the fundamentals of Christianity, the basic principles and foundations that we need, and that they are ready for greater things. And that they've, that they've already, as a kid, too, been serving the Lord. Y'all, I want to see 18 and 19-year-olds not leaving the church. I want to see 18 and 19-year-olds do it like they did in Scripture, where they're, they're turning 18, 19, and they're going and, and pastoring churches like Timothy was as a young mm-hmm. man, pastoring churches of thousands of people, going into the ministry. Why? Because their parents took it upon themselves to say, I'm not just going to treat my little Sally like she's just a little baby. And, you know, no. Let your kids start serving the, serving the Lord. Let them start being faithful with the kingdom of God now. Put them in a place to start serving, learning these things. And when they get into that season, God will say, okay, now you've been faithful with a little. I'm going to trust you with more. God Amen. will do that. 
Let's get to the next one. This is the last <laughs> one under one. Number one. We're still on point one. <laughs> We're hey, we uh, the next two points are way shorter. I promise you guys. Thank oh, y'all for tuning on. Point number one. Still, this is the last point under. Set a standard in your home. Lisa said this is good stuff. Awesome. Thank you. Set so a much. standard in your home. The last one. Live a life of faith, y'all. Christians are some of the most unbelieving people I've ever met in my entire life. Have such a hard time believing any, like, so dull, so empty, so just, like, skeptical. Mm. So I, Christians are, some Christians are so unbelieving. They go to church, right? Quote, unquote, we're a part of the faith, but they have no faith at all. This is what I want to challenge you guys all with. You know, whenever your kids become adults, and this is what I want for my daughter to look at me and say, you know what, my dad, maybe not everything he did might have ever worked out, but I'll say one thing. He was a man that lived by faith. Don't, look at, don't let your kids look at you and be somebody that just always taught your kids to always live in fear and always play it safe. No, Sally, don't dream that big. That's not possible. You know, let's think more realistically here. Let's really, you know, no, be people of faith. Live by faith. And not just tell your kids to dream big, but y'all, I'm telling you, this is how important it is. Me and Tanner were talking about this. Don't be a parent that you walk around with a frown on your face all the time because you're worried about finances. Right. I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. And stop confessing stuff like that. Be people Amen. of faith. Right. Be people that your kids have memories of, of you literally speaking to the bills that you're, tr you're struggling with paying and saying, I command you in Jesus' name to be paid. Like, be people that your kids look back and say, there was times that they were crazy, <laughs> but I can tell you what, they love the Lord and they believe man. what they said listen, they believe. Listen to this, man. So, you know, as I, I was thinking about that and the Lord just brought Noah to my mind. You know, a lot of the times as Christians, being a Christian requires you to look crazy just about 85% of the time, if not 100. You know, you think back on Noah, and Noah, God gave this vision to Noah, hey, I want you to build this ark because I'm going to flood the world, and I, I want you and your family to be safe. And, you know, pretty much anybody that was willing to, you know, turn away from their wicked ways and get on the boat would have been able to be saved. But Noah didn't look at what everybody else was doing and go, oh, I look a little weird building this enormous boat that God told me to, to build, so right. I'm going to stop. I'm going to go ahead and adhere to what everybody else in the world's doing. No, what he did is he took a stand in faith and said, no, this is what God told me to do, and I know that God can supply infinitely more than the world can, so I'm going to go ahead and yeet what the world says and completely submit in what to God says. And he was rewarded. Not only was he rewarded, but he was one of eight people in the entire world that was saved. Right. Let me ask you this, too, y'all, and you can't trick us. We pastor your children. We know things. You know, you ask a kid, what do you want to do when you grow up? You know the answer that we always get, especially around here? Oh, I, I want to be, be a pipeline. I want to be a pipeline. Man, I want to. I want to get out there on them stick welds, and I want to show say, them how to do. Why it. do you want to be a pipeline welder? Do you just love what? And there's okay. God will call some people to do that. But you know, most of the time they make a lot of money. Yep. Oh, I want to be a nurse. Why do you want to be a nurse? Well, because my mom said if I go to nursing school, then I'll always have a job and I'll always have security. And then, I, you know, they make a decent. Start being people that, that model faith in your life. I want kids to start rising up saying, man, I want to, maybe I want to go be a missionary in El Salvador. And I grew up in a family that didn't discourage me. I grew up in a family that didn't tell me, oh, you know, you'll never make money. How are you going to have a family? 
How are you going to get married? How are you going to have children? Don't be like that. Build faith into your children. Well, that's good. Man, when it, I, this is something I think either you said or Shuttlesworth said. If you can't back, when people ask you, hey, what do you want to do? And you give them an answer and they say, why? If your answer is not because God told me to, you need to rethink your situation. Right. I think it's, it, it's, not, it's not important. It's absolutely essential that you're able to walk in the divine purpose that God's given you. Now, I'm not, we're not saying that God won't call you to be a pipeliner. We're not saying that God won't call you to be a nurse because everybody has to play their part. The Bible talks about the body being the body. What good is the hand without the arm? And I think that, yes, God will call people in, into the business and medical and all those kinds of field. But regardless of all of those things, we're all called to serve in the body of Christ in some capacity. And train your kids when they turn 18. Again, like Tanner said, everything that they need to be at the place where everything, every plan they have for the future is backed by God told me. Well, you, no, but again, it's not. It's like kids have this model. We, we finish high school and we go to college. Why? Because that's what you're supposed to do. No. Why? Because my mom and dad told me I have to have my four-year degree, and if I don't have this four-year degree, then I'll never be able to do anything. I'll never have opportunity. Am I saying college is wrong? Absolutely not. But if your kid says, hey, I'm graduating, and I'm going to go to SFA University, and somebody said, why? It's because I sought the Lord, and the Lord showed me what I was supposed to do, and I'm taking a step of obedience to walk in the path and the calling that he's placed on my life. They would not give them some philosophical answer that's so rooted in unbelief that, that they've been indoctrinated with right model faith for your kids you know I, we have some friends at our church i'm not going to call them out by name that i love them to death they started a business you know and and they've stepped out in faith and i just love that because i think about when their kids get older you know they'll look back and they'll say well my parents may have been this or that but they were all I love them, I hate them, whatever, you know, experience that you have. But one thing they'll be able to say is, my parents walked in faith. My parents believed God. My parents were willing to step out and take God at his word and put everything on the line and say, Lord, I believe either your word is true or, or you know, you're going to come through or you're not. And I promise you, that's the kind of stuff that's real that will change kids' lives. Right. That's the kind of stuff where they won't just casually leave the faith when they turn 18 years old because it will be real. It won't be church. It will be a covenant, a relationship with God. Right. And I, I want to add one more thing, and then we okay. can move on. Uh, you know, a, a while ago, and I'm not, I won't, won't name specifics, but I was in a position and I was in a place in my life where I had been there for quite some time, and God called me to, to move into a, into a new season. Uh, and so I remember, you know, wrestling with God, like, God, this doesn't make any sense. And so I was like, I, I just need you to, you know, prove to me that this is what you need to do. And he ended up doing it. And so I ended up, you know, going around and saying, hey, this is what God, God's calling me into a new season of my life. God's ushering me into a new, uh, into a new purpose, into a new uh, role in my life. And I remember the people around me, you know, it wasn't like they were, they were like, just, this is a horrible idea. It was like, but what about this? But what about this? But what about this? And I, I just said, look, I don't know about those things, but I know that this is what God's told me to do. And I know that God's never made a mistake before. And if he's ordained whatever this move that I'm going to be making, then it's going to be great. And it's going to be way better than anything I could have ever imagined doing based off of what's practical and what makes sense. And I think that when you say that, it's so important. You know, I, I think back watching my parents do things like open a dream center. Open a nonprofit faith-based rehabilitation center out of their pocket. I saw my parents leave 
Uh, my dad leave a job, jobs in oil field, making tons and tons of money to go live on site at a homeless shelter. Right. Like live at a homeless shelter, <laughs> run a homeless shelter. I mean, I, I'm the same way. I've seen my parents. Right, yeah. That it, kind of stuff changed but me. But that's what, that's what ma made part of who we are today who we are. Right. And I'm telling y'all, as parents, again, draw the line today. Draw the line. There's nothing more important than what, what we're saying right now. Make it a decree saying, today, me and my house, we serve the Lord. Maybe I've messed up. Maybe I've been slacking. I've been letting life and Satan lie to me and tear me down. But today, me and my house serve the Lord. We're going to be people that go to church. We're going to be people that read the word of God. I'm going to pray with my kids and believe for miracles. I'm going to live a life of faith. It's good stuff tonight, man. Yeah. Let's go to the next it. point. Number two. The, well, the, the next two points are fast, okay? So you guys are still with us. Two hours later. These are going to be good as well. So here's the question again. We, we're kind of battling how do we fix the statistics right now? 80% of kids are leaving the church from 18 to 22, right. not, not being discipled, not stepping into adulthood, into a relationship with Jesus. How do we change that? You know, why, why is it that we have a huge part of our country that are mine and Tanner's age that are putting on purple wigs and taking their shirts off and running around protesting for the most ridiculous ideologies that you could think about? What, where did all of this, you know, start? It all starts in the homes. And if you're just tuning on, you know, we've been talking about the, the, the title tonight is setting a standard in your home and raising your children. And we're going to get to point number two. Get your kids around the anointing of God. Woo! Amen. Going to church is so important, but almost more important than just going to church is going to the right church. You need to make sure that, for one, when you make that, that decision that we are going to uncompromise, we're going to be on church on Wednesdays. We're going to be in church on Sundays. We're going to go to prayer meetings. When the doors are open, that's where my family is going to be. It's so important that you get, around the ch uh, uh, get into a body and a church that flows in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Not a dead church. Not an empty church. Not a church that doesn't preach faith. Not a church that doesn't believe God and contend with God for miracles, to see signs and wonders and miracles where you don't see the gifts of the Spirit flowing, you don't see the anointing. You need to get your kids. Make moves. You know what? If you have to buy another house and sell your place and, and, and move across town a little bit to get where you need to get, make it important to say, I, it's so important that my kids get put in the right community. Right. It is so important that my kids get put in an atmosphere of faith uh, and experience the anointing of God. Let I me read. A, I got a story. Okay, go I'm for sorry, it. I'm really talkative tonight. So it wa I, I want to tell you guys a story. One time uh, I just moved out of my house. I, I was either 17 or 18. Uh, my parents had just helped me do a lot of things, and I bought a futon, okay? John's like, what the heck? Where is he going with this? I bought this futon, and long story short, this futon took me eight hours to put together, a futon. And the funny thing is, is the reason why that futon was taking me eight hours to put together is because there was a J screw that was going into an M hole. But the screw fit there. It just didn't, it didn't have the little swivel thing so you could kick the futon back up. So, but what are you saying, Tanner? Just because you fit somewhere or just because it feel, you feel comfortable somewhere doesn't mean you're in the right place. And I think that that's so powerful. Uh, you know, I mean, I didn't think it was powerful that night. I was ready to slaughter 
anything that looked at me sideways because I was so upset. But I think it's so important that you realize just because your friends are somewhere or just because there's some place that, you know, like, oh, the coffee's really good over there. It just feels really good for us to be over here. I think in order of us basing our, you know, where we're going to church at on those things, we need to base, you know, is the anointing there? Are, are, like John said, are they preaching faith? Do they believe that Jesus died and in three days he resurrected uh, and punched Satan in the face forever and for good? And I think that's really good. And I, I always love to share the story about the time it took me eight hours to put a futon together. Well, you know, and that's awesome because a lot of people make decisions based off of that. Like what you said is line, right aligned with what I was about to say. Is they'll make their decisions based off of where they go to church. Is like, well, I really like their children's ministry. Um, you know, then yeah. I, I, I get like a powerful, right, impactful, yeah. but I'm no, talking absolutely. like, oh, they have a really cool playground and my kid just loves. Not that that stuff is bad. That playground. That stuff is good. Yeah. But I'm saying when you get into a community, you need to look around and say, do people here, not just the pastor, not just what's happening on the altar call. Is this a community of people? Where there is a spirit of faith here, where the believers around me, they believe in laying hands on the sick. They believe in uncompromising faith. You know, uh, I could get into something that could really get me into trouble right Reagan. now. I'm not going to right now. R Reagan, Let's keep moving on. But here, here's, what I, here's what's so important. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you. <laughs> Second Corinthians 3.17. What did Reagan say? Bhutan 1, Tanner 0. Yep. Second Corinthians 3.17 says, For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Hallelujah. This is why it's so important for you to get your kids around the anointing of God. If you get your kids plugged into a church where the Spirit flows through that place consistently, God is showing up, miracles are happening, people's lives are being changed. It's not just some little re religious routine and a little fake thing that people have made that God is doing things. That church is doing real things. I promise you right now, I can tell you right now that your kid is not going to struggle with addictions like other kids do. Right. Your kid, over time, they're not going to end up in the same place because the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Mm. If you're saying, man, I feel like my kid, he's struggling with drugs, he's struggling with the wrong crowd, he's struggling with addiction, he's struggling with all these things, get him around the Spirit of God because where the Spirit of the Lord is, it will produce freedom in their, in their lives. Amen. I wrote down this. A church without anointing is just another distraction for your kids. That's right. I think that, I think that that's a really accurate statement. Uh, I've been to churches that the facility was just fantastic, amazing, overwhelmingly nice, but the spirit was not there. I've also been to churches where the establishment was really nice, five-star, great experience. And the spirit was there. And the spirit was there. But here's the thing. If I'm struggling with depression, if I'm struggling with pornography, if I'm struggling with anxiety, me going to a church building to play basketball and video games for two hours is only going to mask those things for the two hours that I'm there. You still got to go home. Right. And it's so, so, so important that wherever you take your children, and not just where you take your children, because, of course, if you're getting fed horse manure, then so are your kids. But it's so important to get rooted in a place where the anointing of God is there so that there is something tangible to take home with you. Like John said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And like we want to reiterate, having nice stuff is amazing. Absolutely. Having a big church is amazing. We're we want those things. That. Absolutely. But what I'm saying is we so many people compromise on like, 
you know, church is just like getting a membership to the country club. Like it's just a social class. This is where the uppity ups go or these people go. And I'm telling you, don't compromise in that way. Make a move for your family. If you're like, we're in a community right now where there's not a church, move. I mean, that's how serious you need to take this. Move to a different community. And get your kids where the Holy Spirit is present. We're going to get looking at a few other things. But look at this. Proverbs 13, verse 20 says this. Mm. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Here's a biblical principle. You become who you are. Did you already drink another bottle of water? Why don't you mind your business, man? You become, <laughs> you become who you're around. I, can, I, can I share another Hold verse? on one second. Okay, go ahead. You become who you are around. Uh, this is a biblical principle that even statistically, I want you to think about this statistically. They say that if you take your, your, your closest friends, your income falls right in the middle of your closest friends. If you had five friends that were very close, you on average, just statistically, I know some people will say, well, maybe not for me, but statistically, your income is going to be an average of your five closest friends. That's crazy. That's what the Bible says. Who you surround yourself with, you become like. So you could say theoretically. So you're telling me, John, that if I started hanging out with nothing but millionaires, I would become a, I would become a millionaire? Statistically, yeah. you would become a millionaire. Right. You know, and, and so that's what's so important is just even this principle. If you want your kids to be molded in a certain way, if you want to see certain fruit in your kids, you want to see certain results in your family and in your children, put them in the right community because who they are around will determine who they become. Amen. There's an old saying that says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. It's so true. Who you are around will dictate who you become. Get around the anointing. Uh, I'm going to tell you guys this too. I see parents fight with their kids so much, you know, about summer camp. If you're a parent, you need to push your kids to go to every, make an opportunity for them every possible chance to get around the anointing of God. They shouldn't have to come and beg you, can I go to summer camp this year? You need to look and try to send your kids. Be intentional. Like, stuff going on throughout the year, get them plugged in somewhere where they can constantly have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to be around powerful moves of the Spirit. That'll change their life forever. I can tell you that that changed my life as a kid. The, the most impactful thing was going to meetings, going to services. Y'all, I remember being a kid, and I didn't even go to this church, but I went to Level Land, Texas, and there was this church that my sister worked at in college, and they had this evangelist come in, and he carried this, uh, this anointing, and there was healings and miracles taking place. I was far from God, but I literally remember leaving that meeting just like, being saturated in the presence of God. It was crazy. And I'm telling you, the anointing is what will change your kid's life. Not just normal little routine, church, you know, social club. Make an effort to get your kids around the anointing of God. Go ahead and tell your story that you got. Oh, it wasn't a story. It was actually scripture. Go ahead and read your scripture. It says, uh, and it says in 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what... For what do righteousness and wicked have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? I mean, and I, you've pretty much expounded on that, but that's just a scripture that I hold very near and dear to my heart. You know, I don't, I've had best friends that I was 
best friends with high school, I would consider brothers that I've had to completely cut off communication with. And it's not because, oh, I'm just so high and mighty and I'm too good for you. It's the fact that I cannot allow myself as light. When we become Christians, we accept Jesus into our hearts. We're light. We cannot be, we cannot be, uh, uh, we can't fellowship with darkness. And I, I think that that's a really cool verse, you know, to really uh, illustrate what John was saying there. Absolutely. And so people will say this too. You might say, well, where I'm at, there's not a church like that. Well, for, there's two things that I'm going to tell you, and I've already said one of them. For one, most of the time that's an excuse. I guarantee you, no matter what town you live in, no matter what community you live in, I promise you could find a community that's a faith-believing community, that's a church that believes in healing the sick, that's a church that believes in miracles, that's a church that believes the full Word of God, that preaches the Word of God. And if you can honestly say, I live in a community where there's not, start praying for the Lord to open up a way for you to move then. Move. Move to a different town. Move to a different house. Right. You know, if, if you can genuinely say, well, I live in small town so-and-so, and there's not that there for my kids, there's not. Start praying and believing the Lord to open up job opportunities for you, to open up housing opportunities for you, and move. Because that's how important it is for you to get your kids in the right place. Right. I remember hearing this story. Uh, it was actually Jonathan Shuttlesworth's father. He, talk, he taught about how when he was uh, younger and the family was younger, they were in this church, and the church was dead. You know, he was a traveling evangelist, but when he was home, their church, they were a part of this, this certain church, and it was just dead. And the Lord spoke to him and said, Your daughter will not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit unless you move to this town and go to this church. And so he up and took his family and moved to a different state to get inside this town to get his family plugged into this specific church and what was the result his daughter got baptized with the holy spirit his son grew up to be one of the most powerful evangelists on the planet i mean it's just crazy it's so important that you place yourself and your family in the right community i can't tell you how important it is that you place your family in the right community and believe god again be people of faith it, it's not too hard for God to give you a job in another place. It's not too hard for God to give you a house somewhere. Believe God. Let's get to the third point. This is the final point, and then we're going to pray for everybody. Wrap this up tonight. Third and final point. If your kids, I'm sorry, third point, and this is under, some of you guys are just tuning on. Hey, Sonia, how are you doing? What's up, Zach? Share the, broadcast, the broadcast for us. Third point, under setting a standard in your home and raising your kids. Here's the third point. This is super good. I want you to take this to heart. You raise your kids, not the government. Right. It is your job to raise your kids. Yeah. It's not the daycare's job to raise your kids. It's your job to raise your kids. It's not the public school's job to raise your kids. It's your job to raise your kids. It's not the Xbox job to raise your kids, the telephone's job to raise your kids, the Facebook's job to raise your kids. You have to raise your children. I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures. This is Proverbs 22, 6. It says this. It says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Another translation says, it says, Raise your child up in the way that they, shall, so they should go, and when they're older, they will not depart from it. I'm going to tell you, children are a product of the homes that they were raised in. Children are just a product of how they were raised. 
me and my wife have been doing some research, and we've actually found out that a lot of times, you know, somebody, a teenager that's maybe sexually abusing a younger child, they're doing it because it's happened to them. They're doing, making decisions like that because they've been in a situation where that's happened to them first. A, ch a, ch a child is a product of, of the parents that are raising them of the house that they grew up in. It's your job to raise your child. I'm going to tell you, if you let anybody else have that responsibility, if you let the daycare have that responsibility, then your ch your, the daycare is going to determine which direction your child goes in. If you let the public schools have that responsibility, the public school is going to determine which direction your child goes in. Right. Whatever you fill that gap with, whatever you replace yourself with, is going to determine the path that your children walk on. Again, it's not any other person's or thing's responsibility to raise your children. I'm going to tell you guys this. There's an agenda in the public school system right now. You know, Satan has created this model where parents are slave to this world. Both parents have to work, and so what happens? Their kids are just in daycare. Their kids just go to public school. They work a job. They're not being raised by their parents. They're spending four hours a week with their parents, and they're spending 40 hours a week at school being raised by, by an institution that I'm telling you has an agenda. And let me just, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. I saw, I saw a video recently that was from the early 1990s, and it was a video of some kindergartners and, and early kids in, in first grade and kindergarten, these teachers asking these kids, saying, Hey, do you think it's okay for a man to marry another man? Do you think it's right for the government to, to tell people they can't do that? And these little kids started saying, well, I don't know. I don't know. That's really, they started telling the kids, that's not really right. I saw this video from the early 1990s in the public school. Now, all of a sudden, what do you have? 20 years later, 25 years later, you have adults that have now shifted our, the entire culture our entire generation, politics, these ideologies that are just absolutely absurd. Why? Because they were, this is what they were sub subject to. This is who would raise them. This is what influenced them. And I'm going to tell you guys that there's an agenda right now that it's sad to say this, but I believe this, that there's a system at work right now that's not created with your best, with the, with the interest of your child at, at the forefront. We have this system that's in place to produce citizens that support agendas. The government was looking back, and, and again, I'm not just trying to demonize our government, but this is a demonic agenda, was looking back 20, 30 years ago and said, how can we start pushing towards globalism? How can we start pushing towards socialism? How can we start pushing for abortion to be accepted, gay marriage to be accepted? They know that if they can win the children, then they can have the future. Hitler understood that. If he controlled the youth, he controlled the future. Right. That's a demonic agenda. Satan's not stupid. If you can control the youth, you can control the direction that our generation goes in. You can control the direction that this country goes in. That's why it's so important for you as fathers and as mothers to be the ones that raise your children. Stop putting it off on other people. I, you know, I hope, I, I really hope this. My hope... And I, again, I know that this isn't the best solution for everybody, but I really believe that after this time, Tanner, there's going to be a lot of people that end up homeschooling their kids. And I think it's a lot, it, it has a lot to do with, you know, I would come home sometimes and 
I remember taking a history class, or no, it was an economics class, and the teacher had said something, you know, that wasn't in the books, and I came home, and I told my, my aunt, and she was like, that is absolutely not true, you know, and so she went, showed me, I'm, I can't remember exactly what it was, but she went and showed me in the scripture something, you know, I think it had something to do with nature, or, or whatever it was, and she was like, that is absolutely not true, so she like got on there, and she emailed my teacher, and was like, hey, I would appreciate, you know, if you didn't put a bunch of hogwash into my nephew's head. And I think that, it, you know, it's really important. And I'm an advocate for that. If I could have been homeschooled or private schooled my entire life, I would have done it. Right. Uh, and I think that that's, it's a big part of that is because when you, are, when you drop those kids off at 8.15 in the morning or how, whatever time it is, you are depending on them to, put, to, to build a foundation for your children. Well, I want you to think about this. Uh, evolution coming into society. You know, evolution was first proposed in the 1920s, like the early 1900s. Evolution was proposed. It was rejected. It was laughed off the face of the planet. But you actually saw evolution take ground in the 1960s. Why? There was an agenda. You had the sexual revolution taking place. You had Woodstock. You had this gypsy hippie movement where everybody just, what they wanted to do was give people no accountability. There was this agenda where they said, if we can get people to believe that there's no God, then we don't have to feel bad about the moral decisions that we're making right now. If we can get people to believe that there's no God, then we have no higher authority to be accountable to. So what did they start doing? They started taking the idea of evolution and pushing it from a young age into the schools. So now you have a generation that grows up and believes, and there's this seed where there is no God. There is no higher authority. There is no thing that we have to be accountable to. We're just a bunch of apes that live by our own structures in society. I'm telling you guys, there's a demonic root to it. And it's so important that you parent your children. And, you, and this is what parents will do. You know, we're so disconnected. Oh, I've worked all day. My kids have been at, at, at school all day. So kids come home, and they're still not being parented by their children. Right, the parents they, just want to watch TV and say, go play video games, go do something. I'm tired. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to cook. I don't want to sit down as a family at the table. I don't want to spend any time together. And we are not parenting our children. Right. You know, and I, I also want you to think about this, too. I see this a lot. Y'all, it is not an iPad's job to raise your young children. I can't tell you enough how much it frustrates me to be out in public and I see a, a toddler start throwing a fit, start crying, and what do I see? The parent just, here you go, hand them an iPad, jump on there, play on it. Why? It'll shut them up, It'll, I just don't want to mess with it, I just don't know how. And then all of a sudden you have these 8-year-olds, these 9-year-olds, these 10-year-olds that act horrible. I watched this video on Facebook today of this little girl sitting in her car seat spitting at her mom. I'm like, dude, are you, if I would have spit at my mom, man, I would have lost my two front teeth, you <laughs> no, know? No, they would have killed me and buried me in the pool. Yeah, there wouldn't, Tanner would be a figment of our imagination. <laughs> he wouldn't even yeah. be sitting here right now. There's no way. But I'm telling you, it's crazy. It is not, y'all, it's just so crazy. We are letting these things raise our children. Right. And the Bible says, raise up a child in the way that they shall go, and when they're older, they won't depart from it. So basically, you can take that. That's Proverbs 22, 6, and say whichever direction a child, whatever thing, whatever direction a child is pushed in, that is the direction they're going to go in. If, if, that, if they're being pushed by the public schools to think this way, to be this way, y'all, and this is another thing too. In the public school, 
most kids don't hear about sex until they're hearing about it from their 12-year-old or 13-year-old friend. Right. Don't let your kid's knowledge about sex come from some 13-year-old that's been watching porn on the Internet. You need to be raising your children. What does God's Word say about these things? Be active in your kids' lives. Start growing in faith. You know, if you're working like a slave and you're saying, man, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, John, you don't understand. I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to be hands-on like I have been. Start sowing seed and believe in God to take you from the place where you're at and open up opportunity for you to be able to work less hours for more money so that you can be a parent to your children. It goes back to the original principle. Be people of faith. Be people of faith. Believe God. Start praying about it. Start going to God's word about it and believe that I have a responsibility to be a parent. I'm not going to let the iPad parent my child. I'm not going to let YouTube parent my child. I'm not going to let some stranger that I don't even know that does not believe what I believe. Yeah, and I can tell you, and I'm not hating on anybody. I want nothing. I don't want to do anything but honor our schools. But me and Tanner have been in the schools around this area. I'm just going to be real because it is what it is. You know, we can go into a school, and as a church, it's like pulling teeth and fighting to the tooth and nail to even be able to have a Bible study in our, in our local schools. What does that tell you? There's not a whole lot of people even present that really believe what we believe, that really see the things that are important. What we, see what, there's not a lot of people that take the things that we see as believers as being so important. They don't think it's as important. That's okay. But what's not okay is allowing that person to raise your child. Shape and form your your child into the person that they're going to be in the future. That is the parent's job to do that. Y'all, and I'm believing for fathers. Start believing, saying, man, God, make a way for me to make enough money so that my wife doesn't have to go to work. You know, and I'm not trying to just throw every woman and say, you need to be at home and that's your place. But I'm saying... If you're living in a structure where it's like we both have to work, I wish I could be at home with my children if you're, if you're a wife, but I can't. We both have to work because we can't pay our bills. Husbands, start being men of faith, believing God, saying, Lord, help me. Show me a way. Show me a business. I can start on the side. Something I can do to make up that extra so that my wife, can, we can parent our children. We can disciple our children. That we will be the filter of what comes in. To our children. I'm going to tell you this last thing. It's just coming to me. Jesus said, I am the shepherd, but I also, he said, I am the gate that enters into the sheep pen. So what does the gate do? What Jesus was saying, he made a statement and said, everything that enters into this sheep pen has to go through me first. As a parent, that needs to be your job where you say every influence that comes to my child has to go through me first. Every kid that wants to be their friend, everything that's going to influence my child's life has to go through. I'm going to be the gatekeeper to my child's life. It has to go through me first. Y'all, we need to do a better job raising our children because it's not, you know, it's not okay that 80% of kids are leaving the faith when they turn 18 years old. It's not okay. You know, everybody can hate the younger generation all day long, but the younger generation are only a product of the generation that raised them that set the standard for them. We can shift that. We can change that today. That's going to wrap up what we have to say about uh, 
setting a standard and raising your children, I encourage you, share the broadcast. Go back and listen to this stuff if you didn't get a chance to catch the earlier part of this. But we want to tenor. You just give everybody an option. If they want to give their lives to Jesus, we're going to pray for you guys to do that tonight. And then we're going to pray for everybody listening, just for the Lord to speak to you some specific things. But Tanner, I'll turn that over to you, man. Absolutely. If you're listening today and you say, hey, look, you know, I've enjoyed your discussion. I'm thinking you've got me thinking about, you know, hey, this God guy sounds really awesome. Um, I want to let you know something. Um, when I was about 17 or about 14 years old, I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart, and it was the greatest thing. Single-handedly, there's absolutely nothing that even comes close. Single-handedly, the greatest thing and the most wise thing that I have ever done. And the, the, from the second that I let my heart, you know, put my heart in Jesus' hands, until now he has not let me down yet. And I want to give you guys this opportunity. You say, Tanner, I'm really curious about God. I really want to get to know him. I want to build a relationship with him. I want to give you that opportunity right now. And I also want to give you an opportunity if you say, Tanner, man, I, you know, I, I accepted Jesus into my life when, at church camp one year, or I accepted Jesus at my life at a women's retreat one time because I wanted to get closer to a guy. Whatever the situation may have been in which you got saved, but you've fallen away and you want to come back. I want to let you know that just as it, as it illustrates in the prodigal son, God is not sitting here with his fist balled up at you. He's, wa he's here waiting for you to come back to him arms wide open. And I want to give you guys the opportunity to either, one, give your life to Jesus Christ for the first time, or two, rededicate your life. So if you will, bow your heads and close your eyes with me. If you'll lift your hands wherever you're at. God, we thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. God, we thank you so much for the sacrifice that you made for us on the cross 2,000 years ago. So that everything that we've done up until this moment where we're accepting you into our life is completely null and void. God, your word says it's cast far as the east is from the west. That means it's infinitely no longer. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name. Romans says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and he was, killed, uh, he was uh, raised from the dead, that you will be saved. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name. If that's you, I want you to lift your hands and I want you to say this prayer. Thank you so much, Jesus, for everything that you did for me. Even though I was, a, I was still a sinner, you died for me. And so right now, I take my heart and I give it to you, Jesus. Every part of who I am, not just the parts of me on Sunday, but every single fiber of my being, I surrender to you. And I ask that you do with it whatever you want to do with it. Thank you so much, God, for the people that are giving their lives to you for the first time. And if you say, Tanner, I, I, I haven't lived for Jesus for a long time and I want to rededicate my life, I want to say a prayer for you as well. God, I pray for those that, that know the truth. God, they know that sweet taste of honey. God, that amazing experience that, it, that, that they, they, get, they get to be a part of when they give their life to you. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that as they're repenting and they're turning from their sins, God, that they would be accepted back into your kingdom, God. We thank you so much for what you've done, what you've done through these broadcasts. We thank you so much for what you've done through our church. And we thank you, most importantly, what you've done through your word, God. That's right. God, I praise you and I thank you and we give you all the praise, the honor and the glory. And everybody says, amen. amen. I want to pray for you, too. If, if Maybe you're already saved, but some of these things have connected with you. I just want you to pray. Uh, I want to pray these things over you that the Lord laid on my heart. So if you will, just lift your hands right where you're at. Father, I thank you right now for visions. 
Lord, we know that your word says in Joel chapter 2, quoted in Acts chapter 2, that in the last days you would pour out your spirit on all sons and daughters, that your young men would have visions and your old men would dream dreams and that the men and women, they would prophesy that there would be signs in the heavens below and wonders and miracles on the earth below, I'm sorry, the heavens above and the earth below. Lord, that there would be an anointing poured out. Father, I ask right now for an increase in visions, dreams, Lord, at night, that people would begin to just receive revelation from you, that the Spirit would begin to speak to those that are listening, that are hungry, that are, that are lifting their hands saying, Lord, I need you to show me the way, Father, that you would begin to speak to them about moves that they need to make. Maybe there's somebody listening that they've been praying about the church that they're at. If that's where they're supposed to be, Father, you would speak to them clearly. Just like you spoke to Abraham and said, go to the country, go to the place that I will show you and I will make you into a great nation. That you're going to begin to speak to believers right now. Leading them, guiding them. Father, I thank you your word says that you would speak to us. It says as many are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That there would be a voice that speaks from behind us telling us which way we should go, whether to the right or to the left. You're going to begin to speak to people about specific things, Lord. They're going to have dreams in the night, showing them which path they are to take, showing them the Holy Spirit's going to begin impressing upon them, hearing you speak and lead them of where they should go, where they should move, where they need to plant their family, what things need to be cut out of their life. Lord, you know every detail of every life that is tuned in right now. You know the things nobody else knows. You know the things that they don't want anybody else to know. And you know how to fix every single thing in their life. You know every piece that needs to be rearranged and moved in order for them to line themselves up to be in a position for a miracle to take place. Lord, and I just believe that you're going to begin opening up opportunity. Right now, you're going to speak to people about businesses, business opportunities, You're going to speak to people about job opportunities. You're going to speak to people about moves they need to make uh, with where they live, with maybe the school. For the next school year, there's going to be kids that are homeschooled. There's going to be kids that just the whole course of things are shifted as the Holy Spirit begins to rearrange and speak to people. I release that right now in Jesus' name for everybody that wants to receive that by faith. In Jesus' name, I release that, Lord. Thank you for that. We give you glory. Hallelujah. If you receive that, just say amen in the comments. Amen. I believe that God is going to do that through you guys. You've tuned in with us almost for two hours. We've been talking about the Word of God. The last thing that we want to do, if you want to, and again, no pressure. Nobody is obligated to do this. But we always want to give everybody an opportunity because this is important. It's so important for your faith to become something that you know here. That you just, okay, I think this is true in my head to something that's acted out. And I'm telling you, God is looking for people that are willing to step out in faith. And God is looking for people that are willing to stand behind his kingdom and push the kingdom of God forward. We want to give you an opportunity, if you're watching this, to stand with us, to stand with our church, to stand with our ministry. As we are preaching the gospel, we're feeding people, we're getting ready to feed another hundred families, uh, to send money out to other places. We got money going to Haiti, we got money going to Africa, to another missionary that's abroad, that's in South America, in the Middle East. If you want to stand with us in pushing the kingdom of God forward, you can do that, and we're going to have somebody that's a part of our church uh, put the link.
to our website in the bottom. It's www in like in as in Nancy bchuntington.org slash donate nbchuntington.org slash donate. We'll put the link in the comments. If you want to sow a seed, I'm telling you right now, the Lord is looking for people, looking for people that will put first the kingdom of God. God is looking for people that are saying, Lord, it is more important to me that the gospel goes out. It is more important to me that the kingdom is pushed forward than anything else is, than, than getting another subscription to Planet Fitness or getting another subscri- buying another pair of clothes. Guys, and I know it doesn't make sense that we're in a financial crisis right now, but I'm telling you, take a step of faith. If you're wanting a harvest, you have to sow seed to have a harvest. I can wish all day long for a tomato harvest to have a tomato garden, but if I don't ever walk out and plant tomato seeds, I'm never going to get a tomato harvest. I'm telling y'all, right now, maybe you're needing a breakthrough. You know, there's this principle in the Word of God that God has established that a seed only produces according to its kind. What does that mean? You say, man, I, I, I need a financial harvest, John, in my life right now. We're, maybe things are getting tight. I don't know. The future is uncertain. I need a financial miracle and a financial harvest. Well, a seed only produces according to its kind. So if you're needing a financial harvest, you have to plant financial seed. If you're needing a harvest of peace, you have to plant seed of peace. If you're needing a harvest of joy, you need to plant seed of of joy. That is a principle God has established in his word. And so I want to encourage you, if you're with us, feel free uh, and I promise you, the Lord will bless you. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says, Those who sow a little seed will reap small harvest, but those that give generously will reap a generous harvest. God will increase and enrich, multiply your resources, and then produce generosity inside of you so that you can always be generous and give to those in need. And so, Father, I just thank you right now for any person, if there's anybody that feels led to do that, Father, that you will bless them, Father, I pray that you take that seed and you multiply it. If somebody sowed a seed of a dollar, five dollar, whatever, Lord, that you would take that seed in faith, their faith that they've stepped out, and it would multiply. And it would be like Isaac, where it says in Genesis chapter 24, that year when Isaac went to harvest, he harvested a hundred times as much as the seed that was planted. That you are just looking for somebody that would say, Lord, your kingdom comes first in my life. Your kingdom comes first in my time. Your kingdom comes first in my family. And your kingdom comes first in my finances. Lord, you will increase and multiply a person like that because they are faithful with what you've given them. And you are looking for people to fund the kingdom of God on this earth. And that you will open up opportunities. You will open up ways for resources to increase in their life. I release that right now according to your word. And thank you for that blessing. And I say this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. And we're going to log off here, guys. I-